And he's still in prison. Not in prison. Not, right. No, Nothing he happened. Was, he was killed in prison. Oh, he was? Oh. Yeah, he was beat to death with a toilet seat. Was he real? Just to let you know, because you should know. Today, I'd like to introduce Mike Taylor, former Navy captain, who was also a fleet, who ran a fleet strike force, which is uh, is something that's going to really impress you. He's the guy who keeps our country safe. Please watch and please subscribe. Well, that was a rather mundane intro, but I liked it. It was okay. It's pretty good for a civilian. Yeah, exactly. Well, so I was going to put him on. Because you didn't say task force. I was going to put him he on said, my I shoulder. He didn't say task force. He said I strike said, force. He was, yeah, task force commander. I was yeah, Just task, exactly, task how task I, exactly how you told me. Yeah. <laughs> task but, force commander. Yeah. But I guess if you're on a task force, you're going to be a striking force. So you're kind of at it right, right? You're going to strike something, right? Well, I think they did. <laughs> I think probably in his career they struck We don't even things. have to think. We could just ask him. So what, what does that entail? Okay, so task force command. So uh, I was a ship driver, right? I drove ships. And I may have been driving one of those suckers right there. Probably not the guy in charge of the big deck. That's an aviator. They always put an aviator in charge of something that launches aircraft. But the ships on the periphery are surface warfare ships, and I was the captain of one of those. When you're a successful captain of a ship, you get eventually promoted to Commodore. And Commodore is a captain in charge of a group of ships, right? And then if you have a specific title beyond that where you you actually take a group of ships overseas, you're a task force commander. Mm. So I was a, you know, at the end of my career, I was CTF-33 task force commander, U.S. Navy. How, how Went overseas and did uh, uh, basically overseas engagement exercises, you know, working with foreign navies. What did you engage in? Did you do the pirate thing? Uh, we, I, I did a lot of counter narcotics. I did a lot of piracy. I did a lot of, uh, fifth, fifth fleet exercises. Basically I've been off the coast of Iran, uh, you know, quite a few times, uh, monitoring the airspace. The purpose of surface ships in this configuration is to protect <clears throat> what we call the bird farm. So the aircraft carrier is the valuable asset, but it, you know, it can't go anywhere on its own. It's got to be protected by, um, you know, cruisers, destroyers, and frigates, which keep it from being attacked. Got it. So, what, well, about, what about the subs? How do you stop one of those subs from nailing you? Oh, you run, you run a screen. Basically, you run an ASW screen around the carrier so that nobody can get close to it. Have so, you ever been on a ship that fired a cruise missile? Quite a few. What's that like? Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. How accurate are, are those things? Too close uh, to the mic. They're, <clears throat> they're frighteningly accurate. I've done... Uh, tomahawk strikes uh, throughout my career. I was on the USS Shiloh, which was one of the premier tomahawk platforms in our Navy. Um, we did a responsive strike, um, I think it probably 1998, uh, when tomahawks were really in play. And we also did a strike that's still classified to this day, uh, which was in Afghanistan attempting, it was one of the earlier attempts to get Osama bin Laden. Mm. Um, so apparently shot we shot one at his house? But you missed. Exactly. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> or he wasn't He's there. tall. You, no. He, how can you miss him? He's pretty tall. Clinton, uh, <laughs> President Clinton was having dinner, and we couldn't get authorization until he finished his dinner. And then when he finished his dinner, he had to call the president of Pakistan to request overflight. Uh, so oh, we God. waited about six hours to perform the strike, and by that time Osama bin Laden apparently got tired and went home. Um, so we did vaporize um, a terrorist a, a bar, no. <laughs> exactly. But, but we missed. 
we missed our target because of the political delays and getting permission to overflight back. I wonder what he's having for dinner with that during that time. Hummus, Some, pita bread. No, a little bit of goat cheese. No, something grainy and local. Oh, Clinton. Not I thought you Obama. Said Obama. Bin Laden. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't think. Who cares? If I don't think Clinton ate. He didn't eat. He didn't eat. Um, Hummus, but he ate some other stuff that got him in trouble. You know? Well, we're talking. You got two different people here: the guy that we were targeting and the guy that we were asking permission. And then, right. well, you would yeah. think if you if I mean, why, you'd you think, interrupt your dinner if right. you got some guy yeah, going, got "Hey, we got Osama bin Laden." Wait, wait, wait! Got to finish his steak. I got some pudding. You yeah. Know? <laughs> <laughs> Hillary, yeah. hand me the pudding. Yeah, I got exactly. some pudding. <laughs> oh my God! Who's doing it? It's like, I, where's Bill? Yeah, I, I did not have Monica. sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That guy. Where's Monica? Yeah, get the guy over here. We need to. We need Bill, to what's this blue dress doing here in the back of your car? Oh my God, leave the guy alone. <laughs> he, he already went through his problems. I know. And then, and then during, uh, not to interrupt your, your, your. This, this is great. But during OIF, Operation Iraqi Freedom, I was on the Sixth Fleet Command Ship, and we were the the launch area coordinator for Northern Iraq. So we flew tomahawks into Iraq every night probably for six weeks, and, oh and took out a variety of targets, which included some of those fabulous um, palaces that Saddam Hussein had built. Right. Um, well, they were using them, I believe they were using them to launch strikes out of, and they had military in there. Well, right? they had the headquarters personnel in there because they had gold-plated toilets and faucets and stuff like that. So, so the, you know, all the, the northern forces were headquartered <coughs> in some of these palaces, so we uh, eradicated some of those as well. Frank Frank once used a gold-plated toilet, but he, it was actually um, a Did bassoon. Did he have permission? <laughs> a bassoon. <laughs> he was yeah, in that high was a wild school. Night. Yeah. I just just urinated in a gold-plated toilet. Yeah. No, Frank, that's a musical instrument, yeah. and you're suspended. <laughs> now, so when you do when you do tomahawk strikes on a fixed target, you have to calculate the size of the building and the square footage and the number of floors and the construction material, and then there's a little matrix. It's actually really simple, you know. Three stories, granite, you know, 16,000 16, square feet, and the answer spits out as, you know, 12 missiles. Now, do these missiles um, explode on impact, or do they sometimes explode before they get to the target? No, they, for- they, they don't. They're not impact detonated. They're a little higher. Um, <laughs> they have a higher level of sophistication. And then you have to offset the detonation time so that that one doesn't blow up the rest. So in other words, okay, they come gotcha. in like 1.5 seconds apart, and they detonate at a at at some level of elevation. So you know they're not driving into the ground. You're not trying to you know plow a field or anything. So they they drive in, explode, and you give it about a second or so for the debris to settle, and the next one comes in. Okay. And it results in a leveling factor where the you know the three-story palace or building or structure or whatever it is just goes away. It's really sophisticated. Did you guys dig for that golden toilet afterwards? I mean, that seems like a waste. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I don't think there's the much of a market for them on eBay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> probably who? melted them, right? They're back in the in the sand. Well, you have to think about if you're on the ship and you're going to launch a cruise missile, you you don't want that missile to accidentally go off before it exits the ship because there must be a yeah. lot involved in that. No, they don't arm until they're in, 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 in flight? final God, flight. This is crazy. Yeah, see, and we were flying from the Mediterranean into Turkey and then turning right, and you had to go over a mountain range in Turkey. And so we had some icing problems where they'd, they'd go over the mountain range. And get cold? In Turkey, yeah. Yeah. Get cold. So Mike, that, Did that screw up the computer chip in there? Did it come? Yeah, a couple of them fell out of the sky. And then you, you have to recover them, don't yeah. you? Yeah, we had teams go into Turkey and then go to the 
you know, bean field where the tomahawk had, you know, landed. Are they, could they possibly uh, detonate when they're... No, they're not armed until the final the final phase okay. of the flight. They don't arm themselves. I mean, they're flying, you know, they're flying based on GPS, you know, pre-established coordinates. They go up, they go down, they turn right. Do you have a, a camera on them, the, the whole flight, or do they have a camera on no. them? No. No. I mean, they have different they have different navigation systems, but it's not for the sake of digital imagery. Got they it. Just, they just trying to find the right spot and, and detonate the right sequence. Are they accurate enough to, like... Do you calculate like flying through a window? Oh, they could. They're that they accurate. Could. Yeah. And so you have a spotter with a laser, correct? No. No, no spotter? No, pre-programmed GPS. So there's Oh, I didn't they know. They just that. fly there. They just GPS like Google Earth hit that target? Well, probably a little more. Yeah, a little um, more specific. <laughs> Google Earth. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, launch yeah. them from your car. Why not? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean they fly to a specific place in time and then they detonate the Specific sequence. So what happens after you blow the shit out of the place? I mean, you, you fly you, by the next morning with an F-18 at high altitude. You take pictures, and then you get, you know, photographic uh, gratification. Yeah. Mike, let me <laughs> ask you a question about a really sophisticated weapon that I heard a lot about. It's called a rail gun. Do they have rail guns? Yes, they do. And are they? As, as accurate as they say? Yeah. What do they do? No, they're shit. I don't, what, okay, what, do they, well, what yeah. does a rail gun do? Okay, so <clears throat> a railgun is a, a, a gun that fires a projectile based on electricity. Okay, so the, the electricity accelerates. You know how a generator or an alternator works? Yes. Okay, there's a stator, which is the outside, and then there's the rotor, which is the inside. So if you apply voltage to a gun barrel, right, you can apply a positive to one side and a negative to the other, and the thing that moves doesn't turn like a generator. It actually is Go forced straight. out the barrel. And so how fast do these things travel? Uh, ridiculously. Is there, it, so there's no explosion? Like when you're launching a regular missile, you'll see the fire come out and all that with electricity. Is it just like quiet leaving the ship? Uh, it's, it's, it is the um, spontaneous discharge of electricity into the positive side of the barrel, which is conducted through the projectile into the negative side of the barrel, and it spits. So it's know, like a lightning bolt. It's like a lightning bolt that forces Jeez. the thing out the barrel. Is it loud? Um, it's not all that loud. The problem that they're having on railguns is that when you put that much voltage into one side and it transmits through a moving projectile, you end up kind of welding the thing as it goes out the board. Oh, yeah, the so friction is yes. so high that it melts the metal. And the projectile is square. You know, bullets oh. are round, right? Right. Bullets are round because they engage rifling. Right. Okay, a railgun shoots an encapsulated Sabo with a positive and a negative side. It just gets it going faster than hell. And then the projectile itself has to have the, the, the ability to drive itself. So it'll shoot it out really fast, but it's got to be a smart projectile that you can then steer where you want to. I've, I've been dealing with this question for a while, so I want to ask Mike about it. So we have a water shortage here in Southern California. Water shortage is everywhere. Right, throughout California. And, and, and people talk about desalinization plants, and we use, we use dams to generate electricity. But a lot of people are talking about putting up um, nuclear power plants because nuclear energy seems to be pretty efficient and, and people are worried that something's going to happen. But aren't most of the ships that you're on nuclear? With the subs? No. Uh, so all submarines in the U.S. Navy are nuclear and all carriers are nuclear. 
Okay. So the people that worry about having nuclear power have to understand that the submarines right here in Point Loma have a nuclear uh, reactor on reactor them. right on them. Yep. Wow. And so why is that safe, but we can't use nuclear for our energy? It's the question I'm having. Right. I think because the, the Department of Defense is not subject to a voting process. And they're right. not subject to uh, <laughs> little old ladies who right. are concerned about, you know, uh, being radiated. <laughs> NR is naval reactors. Naval reactors is the most, you know, put together branch of our military. You don't get to put a reactor on a ship or a submarine without having it uh, subject to some significant oversight. So, so it seems like. Well, let me finish this. Go ahead. Finish this question. So, on the reason why I'm asking is on your ships, do they have a desalinization or do they carry bottled water? Do they uh, do they take the seawater and drink? Well, he went from reactors to how we make water. Yeah. Well, know. yeah. Okay. I mean, jump around a little bit. No, uh, reverse osmosis. So everything everything in that in that you know every ship in there is running reverse osmosis. You know, oh, so, so it's pumping the salt water. You take salt water, you put it through salt. a semi-permeable membrane, you separate the good stuff from the bad stuff. And it's drinkable. Yeah, it's no different than you got a little clean water spigot on your, your kitchen yeah. counter. Huh. It's, a, it's not the faucet. Dear God, you drink trap water in San Diego, you'll die. It's huh. got the highest chlorides in our country. But if you run it through a bunch of filters and you got the little drinking water thing, you get less right. than 0.065 EPM chloride water, which is really clean and tastes good. You know, mm. most places in our country, you can drink water right out of the spigot. It tastes good. It seems right. like one of, if you have a nuclear, if you have nuclear on a ship, it seems like somehow you can plug into the ship when it's at port and use it to like charge your phone. Yeah, char charge your phone. <laughs> charge a city. You know, it just seems like the way they make the like San Onofre is a huge cement dome that's covering all these nukes. But why is that not safe? But it's safe to put a nuclear reactor in a that's tube, ask, that's a metal tube that's floating and, in the water. And they're in San Diego. They park here. So why not put the nuclear reactor in the ocean and get it from that's there? That's what I'm saying. And then use that to do a desalinization plant. Right. And then you have you clean energy. It lasts forever. Right. I mean, the way the nuclear uh, – just to um, go over this, the way a nuclear sub works is that there's a ball of energy that's constantly burning like a sun, right? And it's just hot, just stays hot. And then the water yeah, it's, goes it's, through it's it. It's a controlled – Reaction, right. which heats water, which creates steam, which creates steam, which, which is your primary loop, right. and then that goes through a heat exchanger, which which heats a secondary loop. The secondary loop goes through a turbine. You blow the clean steam through a turbine. You don't blow radioactive steam through a turbine. the The primary loop, you know, heats the secondary loop. The secondary loop is clean water. They don't cross boundaries. It goes through a turbine and makes electricity. So it seems like that would be something we should look at. Right. I mean, if people, how many how many nuclear subs are, are off our coast right now? I mean, like at Point Loma, at you Dry know, Dock. Stationed at Point Loma? Stationed right now. I don't know. There's no probably a half dozen down there. Yeah, so you got... At least a half dozen. You got a half dozen nuclear reactors in one spot, and then people are worried about the nuclear... Well, the reason why, why I'm bringing this up is because the Navy seems to come up with a lot of... They're innovative. Yeah, innovative ways of and how so, to survive in the ocean so with nothing around. So all these people are buying electric cars, and we just ha I just had this thing where this person wouldn't buy a house, uh, wouldn't buy a condo because they couldn't charge their electric Tesla, car. Right. But I don't think our power grid can support like all of the electricity that everybody... It already know. can't. There's so no we have to, you have to find an alternative source. And I know Mike's a big car guy. Like Mike knows about cars. Oh, yeah, he's a car buff. Like he just... I he have just, a couple. 
Yeah, just a few. Couple. Mike has a one of the few guys who turned his backyard into a multi-level car stacking right. mechanic shop. It's a he dispensing just, machine. He just <laughs> easier to get him in hey, and out. Okay, look. how'd you talk your wife into that? Like the right. ultimate man cave, a two-story double-decker no, but you car. Got a just, you buy her a Porsche. And yeah, she's there on you board. go. It's like, yeah. so, I got you a Porsche. Yeah, I got to take care of that. He car just took for you. a Humvee and, con- and that wasn't running. Right. Like essentially, the person just gave up on it and goes, "I don't know what's wrong with this thing." Mike took it. I watched him. Right. And in like two days. The thing is running perfect. And yeah. look, Mark, that's called a mechanic. Yeah, but they're all over the place. So <laughs> I have an engineering brain. I know how to think my way through process. So what's your favorite car? <clears throat> Ooh. Uh, a 64 bed. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good call. That's a good one. Yeah, it's, it's called the C2 series. They have a body style that's really, that's so beautiful, really classy. Yeah. Yeah. I like the new vets they're making. I like the new Stingrays coming out. I think they finally got an idea well, when of they what went looks mid, sexy. They went mid-engine. That's, yeah. That was spectacular. That's a game changer, so, right? So, you know, C1 was the, you know, the late 50s, yeah. a little too round for me. Right. C2, very classy. Right. Know, they had big blocks in them and all that. And then they went into the C3s, which, you know, they call the Coke bottles. Right. You know, they're kind of skinny in the middle, fat right. on both right. ends. And then there was, like, uh, through the late 90s and early 2000s, they just got a little odd, right? They did. And then they, finally, the back. they finally figured out that if they put a, a mid-engine in there, you know, because trying to stuff that motor up front was was kind of an antiquated idea. They finally took the motor to the back, and I think that's right. like C nine or ten. They look good again, and they're they're a good product. They shut down tours in the uh, Corvette factory for a year because it was kind of top secret. They wouldn't give anybody a tour of the factory. Almost looks like a, a, a Testarossa the way they position those engines now. Yeah. even have. Yeah, or they, fi- they finally went to the mid-engine. Right. That was the real groundbreaker. Right. So it, it took and they them a put while. they put that glass cover like standard to see that engine. Yeah, so, so you so get beautiful. engine porn. You can look through yeah. the glass <laughs> cover. <laughs> engine porn. You like, get yeah, engine yeah, porn. Baby. You're like, oh, look at yeah, that thing. They're nice. Car buffs understand nice that. You just cars. look at it like um, like when I used to have my Harleys. Um, I would park my my main one in in my living room because I just didn't. Want, first of all, I didn't want to get ripped off. Second of all, it was just like a piece of art. I'd have my little rubber pad and. Yep. I, I just look at it right right below my TV. I know, you and drive it through your it front is, door every night. Right, it's just and park in the living room. Yeah, I had those wide bars. It's hard to get in. I didn't care. That's when you were a lifeguard. <laughs> yeah, that's when I was a lifeguard. Riding it with your shorts on to the beach. No, I don't think that ever happened, bro. Yeah, it did. No. Speedos. <laughs> I was kidding. <laughs> Barefoot. Oh yeah. Going to work. Sandals and I'm speedos. A <clears throat> and I'm a biker. And instead of the helmet, you had go- you had swim goggles on. And Mark, you were worried about what I'm going to say. <laughs> Shower cap. He's admitting swim it. Cap. Hey. Oh dear lord. But this. The, okay. The reason After why the we're Navy. jumping around. Mike right. is such an eclectic amount of knowledge on so many things, and. But I can we go back to the Navy? How do you keep how go do you back. keep the ships like who's ultimately in charge of having these things not run into each other? Because there's no lights at night. It is pitch black in the ocean. How do you no, do that's that? That's true. So ships have lights, right? They're called running lights. Right. But they're not for the purpose of seeing where you're going. They're for the purpose of other people showing see. other people where right. you are. So if you want to drive, you know, the experience of driving a ship, next time you're going down a freeway, turn your lights off. No. Right? <laughs> yeah. And then just look at everybody else's taillights and try to figure out how to not hit them, right? There's no illumination of where you're going. There's just the recognition of other people out there in the same chuckle. Water yeah. as you, but there's no lanes. Right. You know, there's no... It's almost three-dimensional so how, so because how, you, can't see the, you can't see the sky. It's just like a floating... 
When, when, red light? Yeah. Well, when you see two two taillights ahead of you, right. you Slow assume down. there's a car ahead of you, and he's going the same direction as you. Right. Okay. But the see, reason you have a red and a green right. and a white light on a ship or is a that, starboard and yeah, you get to look at, do you see red? Do you see yeah. green? Or do you see green and white? Right, that'll tell you the direction. Right? Yeah, then you can look at the you look at the ghost. Yeah, I got a port. I got a port running light. Right, exactly. And so I'm looking at the guy's port side, which means he's steering to the to left, left of me. Uh-huh. And if he's steering to the left of you, you know, and he's he, and his bearing drift is left, you can't hit him. Right, right. You can't hit him. Right, right. He's he's going to keep going left. You're not going to hit him. Right. You know, but if you got a guy on your left side and you see a green light. Yeah, not looking good. at his right side, he's yeah. on your left. He's crossing in front of you. Right. So, and then you just have to calculate right, whether right. or not you're going to center punch this guy. Right. And then you have to calculate who's got the right of way. So, so only one guy has to maneuver. If you both turn, yeah, you're going to run into each other. Yeah, you can't figure out. Yeah. Then you're then you're both maneuvering. You got a complex <clears throat> situation. But if the guy looks, and says, "Oh, he's got the right of way," it's that's the other thing. You know, if you're looking at a vessel with a green light, right. You're on their starboard side. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's he on your go. port. You're on his starboard. Right. But, but he, he has right know, away. Actually, you you have right away. Wait. He's on your left. Starboard you got right away. You got right away, correct. It's almost like it's almost like yeah. traffic lights. Yeah, you're right. You know, if he's over here and you see red, yeah. he's got the right away. And then the white light? That's the on one. On top? That's, well, that, that's there's a masthead. Okay. There's two masthead lights. They tell you how big a problem you got because if there's one, is a small guy. If there's two, he's a big guy. But if you're looking at his stern light, that just tells you that you're, you know, if you've got a stern light and a... What direction he's going. Yeah, it just basically tells you what direction he's going. Basic navigation. Those are the rules of navigation, even in the smaller boats. In any boat, that's the right So the the thing I remember, and I went to Claremont High School, so I'm not that smart. The vessel to the right has the right of way. If he's to your right, you're seeing his port running light. His port running light is red, which means don't go. Right, stop. It's like a traffic light. Right. Right, you look at you see him. He's on your right. You got a red light. You're like, yeah. uh oh, he has the right of way. Right. Okay, and then you have to either come right or slow down and let that person pass in front of you. It's it's, you know, easy port starboard. Yeah, However, if you do screw up and make a mistake, you ain't turning those ships fast. Oh uh, no, yeah. If you screw up, it's a bad day. Yeah. Let me ask you something about the aircraft. Three hundred people sleeping down below, and you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, you don't want to take three hundred battle, friends out. Battle stations. You know, if right. you drive after a few cocktails and you kill your best friend, that's one guy that you killed. But right. if you're on a ship and you you got three hundred people, it's really important you get it right. And don't drink. Don't drink if you're at the helm. Well, we don't. We, <laughs> <laughs> no alcohol on board. We don't have alcohol on navy no. ships. Oh, okay. I don't know. Maybe have wine. So for the on these on these navy. Why, why is coffee called a cup of Joe? Why? Because Josephus Daniels banned alcohol on Navy ships in 1878. Coffee is named after the Secretary of the Navy as a cup of Joe because of Josephus Daniels. Nice. There's trivia. I know useless, that. I told you. Yeah. Useless trivia. I love it. I always say cup of Joe. Now we know. So now you the, know because Joe well, is a real guy. Question. I was wondering why, because I was in the Harbor Patrol for about 18 years, so I, I'm good with boats, not those kind of ships, but boats. And I was wondering when, when an aircraft carrier is coming into San Diego Bay, at what at what mileage point do, do they start having to put those engines in reverse to slow it down, or do they? Like no, do, they they just keep running. So the, the 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 steam that's created by the reactor is always there. Right. How much of it they push through the turbine right. is up to them. 
Okay. You know, they generally come in at a slow bell, but you don't exactly, like, turn off the reactor. You just regulate the amount of steam you're pushing to the turbine. Uh, as far as stopping the right. aircraft carrier, you want to do that gradually. You know, my, so when, my, when does that start? Like you're coming in, what is it, 10 miles out? You just start reducing the speed? Well, you, you're only allowed like ballast point. Mm -hmm. There's a five-knot restriction at ballast point. Because if the aircraft carrier came rocking through there and shook up all the submarines that are undergoing maintenance, that would be a bad day. Oh, I so see. they have to hit five knots at ballast point. Then they can come up a little bit after ballast point and, and approach you know the piers at North Island. But my dad was an old ship driver. He said... Never approach the pier any faster than you're prepared to hit it. Oh, so right. Uh, less than one knot, two, one knot, two. Yeah, you back, you back it off. You back off the bells, and you get your tugs made up. Right. Because aircraft carriers are not oh, exactly right. maneuverable. Right. So they just take off their headway, and then they put on a backing bell, and then they essentially they're just floating. How do those in. tugs hook up to you? Just throw the line. Yeah, they just they Shoot. just make up they make up a variety of different ways. But you get one forward, you get one aft, and they shove the thing into the pier. Okay, so you got some help. Yeah, it's like the side thrusters. Yeah, exactly. Uh -huh. The tugs are your side thrusters. Yeah. They make up one forward, they make up one aft, and they push you into the pier, uh, throw lines over. On nice. these destroyers, because I've watched some of these military shows, not only, I guess, they can fire cruise missiles, but they have cannons on there. How far can those cannons shoot? 20 miles. You took them at like the 5 inch 54? The, the gun? The ones that you see, kaboom! No, the big, the big ones. Ah, they're like 10, 10, 12 miles. Yeah. It's a five-inch round. So you can't see the <coughs> shoreline, and you can still hit something. Yeah, you generally, uh, like, you know, the island of San Clemente? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think you've got a picture of Catalina somewhere around here. I saw yeah. a picture of Catalina. But anyway, the island of San Clemente is for, for gunfire. You know, and you, you're usually like six miles off the coast when you're doing NGFS, Naval Gunfire Support, you know, with a five-inch gun, and you can... You know, you lob that thing out there, you can see it impact. Are those accurate? Oh, uh, yeah. Very so accurate. would you say that our Navy, because you've been out for a little bit of time, do you think that we're prepared if we had to go to war? Um, I think we might be running second to some of the potential adversaries. Yeah, I, I know yeah. the number one. I think the biggest Navy right now uh, for ships over 400 is China. Yeah. I think we have like 398, and they have like 450. What kind of ships? All ships? Battleships, aircraft carriers. Those guys are putting shit together left and right. I mean, they yeah, got they started, they started building carriers. Right. And they, they realized got, the value of our, our strategy. You know, right. a carrier protected by other ships. Right. Can protect itself from submarines. And then if you've got strike missiles, then you've got a, a whole different capability. But the Chinese started building carriers. Are any of our ships built in China? <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not kidding. I, I, I heard... I heard that was a possibility. No, the ships themselves all yeah. come out of U.S. shipyards. Okay. You know, they come out of uh, Avondale. Is there any Chinese equipment on those ships? Yes, regrettably. <laughs> and, and, and could those pieces of uh, electronic equipment be locating devices that maybe they plant in there? No, they're, they're not. So on some of, the, some of the ships that I was building later in my career, I would, you know, see China, you know, embossed in, China. in some of the, the valves. Valves, piping, plumbing, just, you know, okay. cast stuff, not right. electronics. Stuff you get at Home Depot? <laughs> well, you know, a you know, butterfly valve made in China. You look at it and go, that's pretty funny, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, I even saw, you know, name tags with the logo of the ship's name on there that said made in China. Oh, go, okay, this is kind of silly. So <clears throat> I've been to, I've been to uh, exercises with the Chinese, right? And I remember this one, 
this one exercise in Hawaii. It was called Rim of the Pacific. And there was a reception on the Chinese ship, and they were handing out thumb drives as door prizes mm. during oh, no. the reception. Yeah. yeah, not good. Who in their right mind right. is going to take a Chinese thumb drive right. and plug it into a DOD right. computer? Right. That's like dumb you know, but, 101. But, they, you know, they hand it to you. Yeah, here's your keychain. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, hoping it, it, it holds one, two gigs of info. <laughs> Just one person. Yeah, that's one what they're person. hoping for. So numbers. Well, there's a lot of sabotage too. I think there's a lot of uh, espionage, spies, and espionage, and the sale. Well, they that, co- they collect a lot of data, yeah. and and them <clears throat> handing out thumb drives at a cocktail party was pretty ironic because you can't put a thumb drive in a DoD computer. That I mean, you do that, and the the, the IT police will show up. One right? guy's handing out. Thumb drives. The other person's asking for your passwords. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's like it's like. Are you kidding me? You're handing out thumb drives. It's like no, I don't think we're gonna use these. Oh so, my gosh, it's so I, true. Do you I know mean, what? I go to a lot of uh, real estate events and they they hand out thumb drives. I never put anybody's. I don't thumb either. Drive. I, I, That's I don't your even brother. Take He's trying to collect data. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He can have it. He's collecting data on other uh, other <laughs> other local sales. Yeah, he'll, he'll see oh. how boring my life is. If anyone watched me, they turn that channel pretty quick. I pull up a photo of Frank riding his Harley in his speedos with his goggles on. <laughs> if you oh, want me, Mark, Mark, stop it! You're killing me. You I want me to make you a poster that. and I'll send it to you? He drives. I already have a poster, oh. full, full size, signed. He drives past exact... my house every day. I don't want yeah, to visualize that's... him and his speedo. I know. Yeah, that's funny. So, in addition to doing this, you have a very unique business where people who maybe they have a, normally females who have a husband who pass away and they have a safe and they open up the safe, safe and it's full of guns. Tell us about how that your business works. Gunauctions.com, right? No, gun, guns are dangerous. I don't, I don't touch guns. Yeah, okay. Gun yeah. Okay, so um, now I, I, um, the Navy sent me up to Seattle once upon a time and I went just by myself. I left the wife and the kids. And my neighbor in Seattle was a retired detective, and he did gun shows. He's also a former Navy guy, so he thought it was hilarious that this this Navy captain was helping him carry guns into gun shows. Hmm. But, I mean, I had free weekends. What am I going to do for a couple years? So, I mean, I came home every couple weeks to spend time with the wife and kids, but I also went to gun shows. So for two years, I was kind of like the understudy of this retired police detective in Seattle, and I watched, you know, the gun show activity. And I learned a lot. And then I, I eventually applied for my own FFL. Um, so I'm a what does FFL stand for? Federal, federal Fire. Firearms License. Okay. Okay. And I've got this, as you probably have guessed, I've got this ridiculous brain that retains useless knowledge. Mm-hmm. So yeah. now I can Cup recognize every, every firearm, what it is, you know, how it, when it was made, and potentially what it's worth. So I, I do uh, estate liquidations firearms online are you did you get into gunsmithing at all yes so somebody goes like hey one of my pins is missing or my spring where's you can identify says i took my rifle apart to clean it can't put it back back together why am i looking at your brother right now (laughs) yeah (laughs) i took it apart but i can't get it back together it won't go back together it won't go back together you know went back together but i have extra pieces (laughs) that's the one thing i don't like i'll admit it cleaning my guns after i shoot them well, you paid somebody to clean them. Yeah, I say clean my guns. Oh, that's embarrassing. I know, like a manly thing not to do. But the guy, the gun. So I was in the gun. I just got done shooting. Yeah. And there's a guy out there cleaning a gun who works there. And I'm like, what do you, you know, is that your gun? He goes, nah, killing guns. You know, it's just ten bucks a pop. I'm like, shit. Here's five of them. I'm gonna go shopping. How long is that gonna take? 
I don't care how macho it's not. I don't want to touch that stuff. Gritty, oily crap. Well, you, sh you shouldn't take them apart. You know, I, these days I've got a, a, a Glock and I've got an ultrasonic cleaner and I just drop the Glock in the ultrasonic cleaner. The whole, oh. the, the whole gun? The whole freaking gun. Wait a second. This is new. It just, uh, our it's, viewers it's, want to know about this. I want to know about this. W tell us about this. Is it a, a box? Yeah. It's, it's like, like a, the same way like they clean little, dental tools? It's like a little tools? stainless steel tank. Yeah. Right? You put water in there. It's got a switch that turns on the heater. The water gets hot. You put simple green in there, and now you got hot, simple green water in there. Then you take the magazine out of your Glock, you slide it open, you drop the whole freaking thing in there, and you hit the on button. What's the first thing that happens when you turn on your ultrasonic cleaner? You hear a buzzing noise. No, the cat goes, fuck you, <laughs> oh, I'm really? out of here. The cat, the cat will oh, freak they, out. Oh, they can't the sound? Yeah. They can hear it? Oh, yeah. We can't hear it, though. I need to put one of those on my lawn because these yeah. guys keep, <laughs> You'll get these dogs keep crapping on my lawn and they don't pick it up. Clean all your guns in your front yard. Cat, yeah, <laughs> I, I know it works on cats. The cat will, the cat achieves like Mach 2 in about a second when you turn on the cleaner. So it's like, why did the cat just run out? Yeah. And, and I put, you know, eventually I'm like Bart Simpson, turn on cat run. Turn on cat. I'm like, yeah, the cat can hear that shit. Wow. So you just, I just run the ultrasonic cleaner with hot water, you know, for about 10 minutes. And, and then you look in there, the water that's in that tank is filthy. So the ultrasonic cleaner has vibrated all the dirt out of the right. block. Right, you take it out. You take it down to the uh, workshop. You blow it out with compressed air because you don't want residual water sitting right, in the thing. Right. right, so you blow the snot out of it. It thing dries, and then you just lubricate the rails again. Oh gosh, I want that. That's perfect answer. Or you just go it's to better Mike's than house. you take it all he apart. You do it. the slide you, off. You know, you know the I'm correct gonna, I'm not gonna way bother him. to do a Glock disassembly. How? You take off all your clothes. Right. <laughs> you go into an empty closet. And then you take your gun apart because all these springs and pins and shit will oh, fly out. Yeah. If you do that in your living room on yeah. a carpeted floor, never if you do it. it in your den and stuff falls out, good right. luck finding it. Right? Yeah, you no know how kidding. many people call me and go, oh, I took it apart in this pin Can you shot. put any gun in there or it has to be a Glock? No, yeah, anything. I mean, if it's got wooden, if it's got wooden grips, I might take the wood off. Right, right, right. But you yeah. don't want to soak the wood. But everyone has. I mean, I have an idea. You have wooden grips. I like. I want a wires. bathtub like that, and I'm going to sit in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little bit of simple green. Come out. I'm sure that tub will look all dark and gross. I'll go out and get my uh, my blower from, my, from outside and just blow myself. So off. that's well. That's where do you get these boxes? You, can you purchase them? Yeah, my buddy bought one on Amazon for like 110 bucks. And what I are mean, they? What are they called? Ultrasonic cleaner. Wow. That's what the jewelers use for cleaning Yeah, that's jewelry. right. Well, I didn't think about putting a gun in there. That's beautiful. Smart. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's that's hot what I mean. water I mean, it's, so that's it a different, all the dirt Right. Out. That's that. He's smarter than us. Right. Easy. Easy. Like, if we put ourselves, <clears throat> add our IQs together, his is higher. We don't have to Google, just call it Mike. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to just call him. Mike. How do I do this? But it is, it's Okay, true. so Navy, cars, and you're also, you're doing something now. You're in charge of a few buildings. What's that like? And uh, and then I want to ask you something that is a huge issue in real estate. Mark and I are both licensed real estate brokers in California. And one of the issues that we come across is home affordability, crime, homelessness. Uh, it all impacts real estate. Has the, um, has the homeless crisis impacted the buildings that you're in charge of? Yeah, it's making my life miserable. Oh. It's literally making my life miserable. Okay, okay, so I'd like to talk about this. So yeah, what, do you, a, what do you mean? 
Uh, okay, what so you, I, I, I'm working for a hospital. Right. It's a big hospital. It's right here in Kearney Mesa. And it's not just the main campus because we got satellites. We got satellites all the way from Chula Vista to Hemet, right? And we've got staff facilities. We have outpatient clinics. You know, inpatient is the main campus. That's where they do heart transplants, you know, kidney, livers, that kind of stuff. You know, the but, regular hospital that you yeah look but like. I've got, that, I've got that too, right? So um, you run the you run the buildings. I'm the I'm the infrastructure guy okay. for this whole healthcare system. Okay. Okay, and we've got facilities in Kearney Mesa that are just staff. We got facilities in Kearney Mesa that are daycare for autistic kids. You know, we got facilities that do. Um, we got mental health facilities. That's our biggest growth area, mental health. Right. Yeah. Did you so see figure. That Did yeah. anybody yeah. see mental health as yeah. an emerging? Yeah. So we got mental health clinics in Chula Vista all the way to Hammett. We just put a mental health clinic in at Hammett because the wait times for mental health assessments are six times in Hammett what they are in San Diego. Okay. And then so basically, got, somebody wants to commit suicide, they got to they're they're on hold. Uh, it's generally kids okay. um, that are having um, mental health yeah, issues as a result of social right. media. Yeah. You know, and then sometimes that's dietary, and sometimes it's gender identification. Right. There's a, uh, up to social suicide, media yeah. has done wonders for our community. Yeah. Not. Right. Okay, so exactly. anyway, um, the homeless problem in San Diego is much like the homeless problem on the entire West Coast. I think Seattle got it wrong first. Um, there's a documentary on, on YouTube called Seattle is Dying. Yeah, I saw that. It's a fantastic yes, summary yeah. of the problem and who created the problem. And it was the elected officials yeah. changing laws. Right, or uh, not enforcing laws. Not enforcing laws or making theft of less than $1,000. Yeah, no problem. Not prosecutable and then legalizing daily personal drug use. Right. So I No mean, bail. They, yeah, so... Jail's too crowded. Letting out nonviolent criminals... Yep. It's so, just a continual. Like have a checklist of everything you need to do to make your city worse. Right. They checked every, every box. Yep. They did. They they, they established, uh, they set the groundwork for rampant homelessness, which which really deteriorated the quality of life for the citizens of Seattle. And, yeah. But the whole West Coast is kind of following suit. You know, San Francisco used to host the biggest West Coast annual symposium. There was like a tech conference that took place in San Francisco yeah. for 30 years. They quit. Bye-bye. Yeah, they said, I'm not going. You can't go back there. You can't. The people that attend the conference can't get in or out safely. They, they're they getting accosted. The streets are destroyed. And then so, you know, and L.A.'s got a problem. San Diego, if they get their stuff together, they might be able to figure this out. But um, essentially, they've got all these programs in place. I call them programs of misgu- misguided complacency. You know, you feed the homeless, you get blankets, you get material. Yeah, they went you. they went more into into the uh, compassion too yeah. much and not into the enforcement of the rules and regulations that exactly. govern a city. So they, they so everyone wants to, you know, the victim. It's all about yeah. I mean, even the guys that commit crimes, they don't look at the victim anymore. They look at what caused this person to you know do a, a shooting, and they start to analyze this guy. They just did this thing yeah, like even victims on victims' rights. Are even gone. like on Dahmer, I just saw this uh, documentary on. On Dahmer, this guy's eating people, and 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 he's <laughs> like chopping them up, and they're saying right. like, why would he do this? Like, why don't you just chop the dude's head off and never talk about him again? Like, why do you have to? Because that, that seems like it triggers other crazy people to say, hey, I want to eat yeah, somebody. Why study him? And, and he's still in prison. Him. Not in prison. Not, right. No one, Nothing no, he happened. Was, he was killed in prison. Oh, he was. Oh, he, yeah, was. he was beat to death with a toilet seat. 
Was he really? Yeah, the guy that killed him. <laughs> oh, I thought he was alive. That's a cool no, ending. No, 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 no. Dahmer, ah. Dahmer met his end in a very appropriate fashion. He was beat to death with the toilet seat. <laughs> and the other inmate that, that video was doing viral. as directed by God when he took the toilet seat and beat Dahmer to death. So Now you're gonna, now what's going to happen gonna is free the, cigarettes. the government is going to put toilet seats on a... Rubber beat. toilet seats. Yeah, <laughs> on the list of weapons you can't possess anymore. Right. So good right. luck flying switch on the toilet seat. Toilet seat violence. Yeah, switchblades. <laughs> these certain gun types. You did, Ghost you did, guns and toilet seats. You didn't <laughs> know that Jeffrey Dahmer met another... No, I thought he was on this. He was on the Netflix video, and yeah. I'm like, "This guy's still alive? What the no, hell is going on?" This guy was checked out in a very oh. specific oh, manner. That was perfect. Oh, Death good. by toilet seat. <laughs> hey, when, hey, when Mark comes out of the bathroom, it's death by toilet seat. With the I've fumes. only I've only been hit by a toilet seat a few times when I was trying to get some water. <laughs> hit the back of your head. I just want to drink. <laughs> All right, let's focus. God, it's like an ADHD symposium here. <laughs> so. It so, is. have you been on Imperial <laughs> Avenue? When's the last time you drove on Imperial I, Avenue I, downtown? I, I've been, I, like, yeah, I've seriously, been I was there yeah, just a few days ago. We, like, we, okay, so what yeah. TV series does Imperial Avenue remind you of? Who oh, TV series Imperial Avenue? Uh, Beretta. Uh, How about Walking Dead? <laughs> it's the freaking cast of The Walking Dead. Yeah, right. It's like yeah. there's there's uh, there are 500 zombies on each side of Imperial Avenue. Yeah. And they're right. barely coherent, and they're staggering around, and yeah. they just, you know. It's a full zombie apocalypse. It's a full zombie apocalypse downtown. And then, do you remember, like, about five years ago when we had a hep C outbreak downtown? No, yeah, yeah, of course. That wasn't good. Does anybody know why we had a hep C outbreak downtown? Yeah, because the homeless people are shitting on the sidewalks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, and so sleeping in it. We, the our elected it, officials the turned our city streets into toilets. And then they executed a $12 million contract over the course of a weekend to go spray bleach on the fecal matter that they helped accumulate on the city streets. Do you think $12 bucks could have gone to some better way than a reactive... Than right. a reactive measure right. yeah. to, to homeless on the streets? Yeah, they could have spent that on, on Depends. <laughs> and outfitted... potties every, yeah, yeah, something. How many porta potties can you get for $12 bucks? I mean, a lot. A lot. God, that's so true. So they re they react. Our our elected officials. Plus all that all that bleach is going into our gutters, which is going into our. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's disgusting. No, it's it's and it's, it's not just they're not just spraying feces and urine. They're spraying, you know, shots, needles, needles, yeah, residue from fentanyl. Like yeah. who knows what else well, is coming I up? Think it's going into the, the tide the drainage. is changing. Okay, so the city council had a vote recently to ban homeless people sleeping on on public property, right? Tents. A oh, tent. tents? Okay, so what tent was have a tent. So how many people are on that voting body? Nine? Nine. And it was a five to four vote. <laughs> I mean, the, the, five of them had enough sense to say, yeah, this is a problem. we got to stop this. Right. So so five to four. I want to know who those four are that said, no, it's okay to sleep in the street. It, it's it a hum up? humanitarian <laughs> crisis where you're, you're treating – Humans like dogs, and to let them sit there and walk around like zombies. They're not treating and, them like dogs. They people treat dogs better. Yeah, exactly. If they see a stray dog, and they like, take him into the well, and, and you think, now, wait a minute. Yeah. There was a program in San Diego, funded program where you could get veterinarian care for homeless dogs. So the homeless guy with the homeless dog, right, mm -hmm. gets a free veterinarian assistance. You gotta have so, you gotta have a companion dog. Well, yeah, because, you know, Sparky the bum has got a dog, and the dog doesn't deserve to be homeless. He deserves veterinarian care. So they spend money on that, too. So it's like all these different compassion programs, enabling programs 
for these homeless living on the streets, and then they don't consider the secondary and tertiary effects of this. So they passed the rule to get the tents off the streets by a vote of five to four, barely made it. Now they're starting to move the homeless off the streets, downtown San Diego. Where are they going? Where do you think they're going, Mark? La Mesa? Kearney Mesa. Oh, Kearney Mesa. Oh, oh, your territory. They're oh. coming up here. Oh yeah. Okay. I mean, and when you chase, when you when you get them off the streets, how far do they go? They're not right. like going back to Illinois, right? Right. Yeah. They just go, and you can't go south because I think there's a country called Mexico down there, so they go north. And right. there was the they first, can't go west. They go Mission oh. Valley, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. they're good all... luck keeping a catalytic converter on your car in Mission Valley. So they come up, <laughs> they come up to Kearney so Mesa. Sad. It so is. My, my secretary called me two weeks ago, and she couldn't get into the office. Why? Because there was a homeless person sleeping against the doorway. Right. She said, I can't get in the office. I said, did you try to wake him up? She's like, I'm not doing that. You know, she's a young gal. Right. And I said, okay, give me 10 minutes. I'll be there. Right. right. So I had to go wake up the 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 hobo, the homeless person. Did you bring him a cup of Joe? And bagel? <laughs> uh, no, I just... Got to be compassionate, I'm, Mike. I'm not You're so cruel. I'm a veteran. <laughs> I'm way beyond compassion. Okay, so you wake this guy up and did he flip out, pull out like a knife? No, or... he, he woke up and he, he did the Walking Dead episode 12 thing where he just shuffled off down the road, yeah. right? I mean, I, I felt bad for the guy. He was obviously uh, in distress, but but he's blocking the doorway to the hospital. So, and and... You know, we've got a lot of linen in a hospital, right? These big, massive, rolling blue carts of linen, and they get pushed down by the loading dock, and they go off, and they get washed, and then they get refolded, and they come back in their hospital linen, right? The homeless guys go in there, and they take all this linen out, and they set up makeshift beds. So every little patch of shrubbery. How do they get them? How do they get them? They steal them. They just steal them. Hmm. They go in there. They break in or do they? No, No, because they're waiting at the dock. Yeah, we put put the linen, the soiled linen from the hospital goes into a massive blue bin. And then we have to put it outside for the company to come and get it. Before the company comes and get it, you know, Dutch and Sparky are rummaging through this stuff. (laughs) And they take it off into the bushes and they make beds with soiled Soiled hospital hospital linens. Yeah. So now we have to build a cage to hold the soil hospital linens. Oh, I thought you were so, going to build a cage to hold, hold the homeless. Oh, Sparky and uh, yeah. <laughs> Dutch and Sparky. Yeah. Yeah. Euphemistic but, names yeah. for the homeless. Oh, my gosh. So, um, and about, let's see, about two months ago, I went into one of our uh, HR facilities, and there's hospital linens on a couch inside the building. So, thinking, oh. I said, this isn't right. Who's sleeping there? Who's sleeping there? Right. Who set up a bed on the couch? Right. In so one of your, go, wait, in one of your buildings? Yeah, right right here in Kearney Mesa. Okay, so they... they an, an office building for hospital staff. So, so they, they stole they the to, linens. Wait, they had to break in. Yes, they did. I went back to the front door, and it had been crowbarred open. So they stuck... Somebody, homeless guy, stuck a crowbar in a door, destroyed the door jam. I mean, this is a commercial-grade door. Destroyed right. the door jam. Right. That's 10 Went grand. in there and set, took his old soiled hospital linens... Yeah, he pinched off the loading dock, and he made himself a bed. He slept on the couch. Okay, it gets better. How could this get better, Mark? It's, I don't it's know. But I'm, it's like, right? look, I'm really curious. But let's stop the show right now, and we'll see. We'll hear this on part two next week. Yeah, no, we're not. <laughs> you doing don't that. want me to no, finish? No, no, we want we're you to joking. finish. You're here yeah, for kidding. two hours. Yeah. Okay, so continue. This yeah. is good. Okay, so um, I'm with I'm with the chief operating officer of the hospital. She says that's a homeless person. And at first, I didn't want to believe it. I said, yeah, maybe it's a husband who got yelled at by his wife. I don't know what's going on. That, but right. there's paperwork 
on the couch with the hospital linens. It's it's probation paperwork. It's got the guy's name on there. It's got his parole officer's name. The guy got out of jail, raided the linen, broke into the building, went to bed on the couch, and then went off to get his Starbucks in the morning and left his probation. I don't think he went off to get Starbucks. Probably something else. What do you think? A little bit of crystal meth, maybe. Uh, no, could be. yeah, something. Uh, some I don't weed, know, but he left. Bump. He left maybe his some paperwork weed. on the couch. So I, I, I found the name of his probation officer. I called his probation officer, and the guy's name was hypothetically say Eric. I said, I think Eric broke into our building last night. He goes, Well, you're going to have to file a police report. I said, You're the guy's probation officer. You're his PO. Yeah, you're the PO. Why right. don't why you, why you know, making a citizen do it? Yeah, you, you're I you're, mean, you're in charge it. of this guy. Didn't care. He didn't blew give it off. Yeah. He blew it off. So then we, I go back and I get the security camera footage that shows the guy coming and going and prying the door open and doing all this stuff. I got enough evidence to pretty much, you know, tie this one up. And, and here's the funny part: the guy walks by the security camera. He's got a, a hospital backpack on. I'm like <laughs> trauma pack. I'm like, where did he get a <laughs> hospital backpack? Those are in another building. So oh, no. I go to the other building, and he pried that one open too. Oh God! And 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 so we're reactive. Yeah, we're just solely reactive. I'm going to tell you, you know? something, Mike. Way back in the day, I think it was about five years ago. There's an old clip of me saying this. I was talking to the commercial industry. You know, I was I, I'm part of the board of directors here, and I said, and they didn't care about homeless. And I'm like, hey, listen, guys, you got to we got to figure this out because there's going to be one day where the homeless are going to affect your commercial business. And they go, how's that? And I go, they're going to be sleeping in your front door. Mm-hmm. But one day you're not going to be able to move them that easy because they'll have a right to stay there. Oh yeah. You can't throw them off. You'll get charged with assault. You can't take their stuff. You'll be charged with theft. And it's going to impact you. That was five years ago. We, we should pull that clip. And sure enough, exactly what you said. Hey, there's a homeless guy in front of my building. We don't want to go in. We're scared. What yeah. do we do? So that jams up three employees right there. That puts that you know you call nine one one. Jams up. It what, what c- raises. They have to fix everything. Right. So and that's a ten thousand dollar door that's damaged. Two. Another another door that's damaged. Two different uh, doors. A, a, a bio. A disgusting biohazard material out causing oh, who knows what those so- sheets you have are for. The sofa now you may be treating a guy, f- yeah, for MRSA, or you may be treating a guy for a communicable disease. I, I, I mean, you're in the hospital, so that means something's wrong. And you're taking those linens and you're putting them in another building. Look at the contaminants of that. It means if you oh, go to the hospital, it's disgusting. So never sit in, in a chair in the hospital waiting room now. Just stand. bring your own sheets. Say, <laughs> so here, nurse, it's, like a hotel. Yeah, it, it's it's bad. They're living in they're living in the bushes. They're oh, living gosh. in the okay, so they're living in a parking structure. Listen, we don't ha- we don't have to come up with a solution. <clears throat> why? Well, why? Yeah, what do you talk about? Why we have to talk? Us about, three? Why not? We're who else is going to do it? I know Mark, our, Mark, our did problem. you did you watch Seattle is dying? No, I like how they ended that documentary because they they said the state, the um, state that has the best, uh, the best rate, uh, low rate of recidivism for homelessness is what state? Alaska? What? No, no. Let me th- let me think. Rhode Island. Maine. I was gonna say Maine. Small. Rhode Island. Okay, yeah, so yeah, I know, but it's wait a second. Percentage, so. so what did they do to solve it? If Rhode Island has yeah. the answer, they don't. They don't do complacency programs. They <laughs> send all their state funding into a state-run facility where they provide rehabilitation. Do you know what I think it is? Drug Mike? addiction and mental health. I think there's something that we should call the homeless industrial complex. It's already named. That somebody oh, already, yeah, I believe it. They oh. call it the homeless industrial complex because 
most of the money for homelessness billions of dollars, billions of dollars are going goes into to the non-governmental pockets. agencies. Yeah, GNOs. Yeah, non-governmental organizations. NGOs. Or NGOs. Those people are making all the bucks. It it's trickles down up. like all these other things they do, and by the time they have the money for the homeless, it's a very small amount. They buy them a new tent. It's become a business. There was uh, there was a I mean. program, an ineffective business. Right. Sleeping bags, remember? Sleeping yeah. bags for the homeless. Right. Tents for the yeah, homeless. Who, yeah. Who's they getting? They don't want to. Well, they don't want people to die on the streets because there was no other option at that point. But but now we have in California something called the Care Court. I think that passed. Listen, and I know. Here, here's what we're relying on politicians. And if you know politicians or somebody that decided to run for office, they don't have all the answers. So the citizens have to take back the power and go. I mean, so it's a private sector that really gets gets it right. You put a problem with the government that they caused, and you're asking the person that caused a problem to fix it. You're, you're always going to get. You're right. not going to get anything. You got to get the private sector. Then there's a private sector that includes citizens that just no business. They go, okay, how do we do it? First of all, we're, we're sending hundreds of billions of dollars to Ukraine to help them protect their border. And meanwhile, 2,000 people walk across every day, 2,000 a day, and everyone's saying, our borders are secure. Like, the king's wearing no clothes. It's insane. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, like it's, not, it's not being well-managed. It's not being well-managed. It's not being well-managed. There's no like real cohesive direction from our leadership. I hear Todd Gloria makes a great music video. Is that what she'd be doing right now, making music I've, videos? I've, I've no, I've I don't. No. I don't know what Todd's doing. I. I don't. I don't track him. I gave up on the city yeah. trying to solve these problems. I mean, I leave them alone. It's not like I'm not even going to say anything bad or good about them. But the politicians do their thing. Fine. We can't keep going to them because we're not getting the right answers. So the citizens have to figure it out. And oh, then yeah. once you get a solution, you give it to the politicians, and they act like they figured it out. Who cares who figured it out? But this is what we do, and you can take the credit for it. But somebody has to have a solution because what's going to happen? We have 10,000 homeless now. L.A. has 80,000, 100,000. L.A. And no one sees that as a crisis. 70,000. San Diego, the, the count was like 12,000, but they're thinking it's like double that because they do a homeless count. All these volunteers. And what about all the people coming across the border? Where are they going to live? They live, they've been they've been going to these sanctuary cities. Yeah, but they, they pass on through. Actually, yeah. you know the guys that cross the border illegally, they just kind of pass. Yeah, on they pass. Through. They're not as problematic as the people that are rolling in here. San Diego's too expensive for most people to live. Yeah, they're so, just like I'm going to another state. No, I I used to I used to uh, live in Bay Park, and I remember the. Uh, people that would cross the border they'd follow the train tracks up into la right yeah yeah yeah. we watched they them go would in the walk yeah and walk i remember and walk yeah they totally cause trouble they just went north right they want to go work until they could get to a farming community or a place where they could get a job they never caused problems they just they just went north what, what what i think is that america gets complacent and i'm not i don't think about things happening that much but when you think about it it's almost like we're we're living september 10th now you know what i mean like the day before some shit's oh, going to yeah. hit the fan. Yeah. So everyone is in the September 10th mode. Like, hey, that happened once. It was a fluke. There's no way it's going to happen again. We bombed every country. We killed every person. We're not going to do it. But then it happens again because we drop our guard. And yeah. that border is how many people are coming across that border that don't have good intentions? You don't know. You don't know because they, they're well, not Well, you know the ones that they've caught that are on the terrorist watch list, probably it's not a list you want to be on. And, and it's probably hard to get on that. Right. How do you get on that so, list? And then they're catching them on the list. So how many people got by? 
Well, they have no people all from the um, from the uh, European bloc countries coming across. People from Haiti, Somalia. Oh, everyone all, thinks it's Hispanics. It's like not Hispanics. Okay, Hispanics work hardworking people. They need to get somewhere better. I always wonder why all those people that are coming by the millions a year, why don't they just stay in their country and overthrow the government and just like say, hey, because we want. Because they have no way to defend themselves because yeah, every because one of those second amendments. They don't have second amendments. So every one of That's them what it has is. no weapons. Yeah. That's the whole difference between us and other countries. Everyone who's anti guns, it's like, listen, for me, the second amendment was never meant for you to shoot a guy who breaks into your house, you know, defend. It's really for when the government and the tyranny, and everyone thinks that doesn't happen. It happens all the time to countries every day. I think it was the purpose of the Second Amendment. Yeah, exactly. To allow us to protect ourselves. They said an armed society is a polite society. And it sure is. You disarm a society, you got nothing polite. The problem is some of those firearms are in the wrong hands, illegally purchased to the wrong people, use it for the wrong reasons. True. And they're screwing up the Second Amendment for the average American that is a law binding. Anyone like with CCWs that I meet, uh, carrying concealable weapon permit, is 99.9% the most upstanding citizen. You'll never know that they pack. They mind their own business, but they want to have protection because they understand that if you're in a violent situation where the only answer is, I need to defend my life, cops are going to be there. When minutes count, the police are only hours away. Right. Yeah, when minutes count, but seconds matter. Yeah, well, I mean... Shit yeah. goes down too fast. My buddy, my buddy in Seattle... <laughs> He, used to, he carried two guns. Yeah. And so I, I was with him when people, I said, why do you carry a gun? He goes, because cops are fat and they're heavy. I can't carry one of them, so I just carry a gun. <laughs> you know, you can't get a police response well, there's, in there's, time. Yeah. I've called 911 many times and, it, and there literally no answer. or yeah. All lines are busy. And you're like, oh, okay, so what do you do after that? Yeah. Oh, you, you try to call. And then you call. I just had a, a homeless guy walking down my street the other day. This just happened. And I heard it from, we have like Neighborhood Watch, and uh, it, it was coming down, you know, so people I, are calling me. I think you're aware I of that. I heard it. Yeah, that so. Guy, that guy was having a very robust conversation with an imaginary friend. Right, so he's screaming. <laughs> and then, so I get the call, because I live in a cul-de-sac. Hey, like, like, like we got a cool street. It's like, hey, there's a little breach in security. There's a guy heading your way. And so I go, okay. So I hear him. I hear him before I see him, and he's, he's screaming really loud, and he's walking down my street, which we don't really have a problem with people coming down my street and uh so right away i, I size them up I'm on, I'm on the 911 call so i'm like hey guys you gotta you gotta you got a pert team uh ready because i need you to respond to this address and we need psychiatric emergency response team so get your pert get a guy there's a guy walking down he's screaming at a girlfriend that he's chasing down the street but there's no girlfriend so he's not chasing anyone I don't want him to think his imaginary girlfriend went into my house and started coming to my house to find his girlfriend. So, and they're going, okay, hold on. I'm like, oh, here we go. So he, he's getting closer and closer. So I confront him. And then what I, you're and, not it, supposed and you to go, do. oh, it's my brother. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, Mark, it's just Mark. Mark, quit screaming. <laughs> I didn't know you confronted the guy. I could, oh, hear yeah. It, yeah. I could hear it from my house. It sounded to me like, I'm not a real sports guy. I thought there was a, a game on TV. Yeah, yeah, I thought somebody. No, he had a he had a he had a good voice. He's like a oh, Viking. He, yeah, yeah. This guy he wasn't was, a small he dude. He was bellowing, either. but yeah, when he was I bellowing. hear yelling on a Sunday afternoon, it's yeah. usually because so somebody's watching TV. It's a sports game. But that guy was just fighting with his imaginary girlfriend. Right. Well, what happened was, <clears throat> and of course, nine one was saying, "Don't approach him. Don't approach him." I'm like, I'm approaching him. Because I'm the last house on the cul-de-sac, and he's coming right to my house, and I got my kids here. 
I got a disabled child in a wheelchair. This ain't going to end up well if he gets into my house. So I'm going to talk to him. But what I did, because I think I'm pretty much trained, you know, I've been in law enforcement for many years. I had this situation happen. I went up to him and I'm like, excuse me. And I saw he had hospital shoes on, hospital yeah. pants. He had a tape right here with, you know, just pulled out an IV. So mm -hmm. wherever he was, he was heavily sedated somewhere. Probably so, came out of the, they, they, the, a lot of the 5150s go to Sharp. Okay, they so get released right in Kearney Mesa. Well, there you go. So this guy's definitely 5150. So he's coming yeah. down. I'm, I'm like, uh, excuse me. And he's like, and I go, uh, would you like some water? It's you, your voice seems a little rough. And uh, I'm, I want to give you some water. And he, and he said, yeah. And I'm like, okay, um, what's your name? He's like, David. And I'm like, David. And he starts screaming at the car. And I'm like, just don't yell at her right now. Just let's sit you down and I'll get you some, I'll get you Gatorade. Forget the water. He goes, oh, I, I, I could use that. Mellowed him out. Didn't approach him hostile. He sat down. I went into my house, got a Gatorade and some bread. And I, and I'm on, I'm still on the phone. These guys are in my ears. 911. I'm like, where's your pert team, man? Like you guys reaction time is way too slow. Okay. So I'm, I, this has been like an eight minute call. And so I went on there. I give him Gatorade. I start talking to him like a human being and I, and I, I size him up. I know how to, I wasn't going to defend myself. I just have to run away. You know, like the guy's not going to catch me. He's barely moving. He's moving slow. Big guy though. Big beard. Look like a Viking bellowing voice, strong, big human. And uh, he just was mellow. I just, I just treated him normal. Like, Hey, I, I'm not going to say there's no one there because that's going to trigger him off. I'm going to say, just leave her alone for now. Have your Gatorade, man. You need to relax for a second. Then you can get up and continue. Okay. So that lag time, now he's sitting down, has his legs crossed in front of him. I have him in a good position. Where's the per team? They go, we're, we're up your street. They're, they're, they're developing a plan. I go, what? I go, this plan was supposed to be developed. You guys are supposed to respond. What are you in training right now? I, you know what we have. Get your per team here. You know what I mean? Like, this is going to go sideways quick. I'm able to restrain him. I'm giving him liquid. He's going he's gonna to react, and then something's going to go wrong. And then they finally came down slow. I'm watching these cops. I'm like, I know they have their policies and procedures and all their rules, but my, my whole thing is the response time is so slow. And if I didn't know how to talk in police code and basically tell them, they, they may have not reacted. So what happened, Mike? They picked this guy up. Yep. And guess what they did? Because I think you know what they did. I know what they did because I saw. Yeah. I saw. What they do. Get, he, He'll tell you. They let him out of the car at the intersection of Governor and Genesee. Right. So this they, guy was still in his hospital. They took him four. They took him four blocks away, and let him go and released him. You know, is what, that the answer? You know what? Catch this guy is in the catch mental and releases. Yeah. Catch and release is what you do for fishing. fish, right? right. Trout. Yeah, you catch and release a trout. That way you get more trout. But uh, they've turned homelessness into catch and release. They catch the guy, they take him somewhere else, they let him go. Right. I mean, the demand on police resources. Yeah. Think about the number of officers right. that were responding to an issue which wasn't resolved, which right. then just probably became another issue somewhere else in, exactly. our, in our county. I mean, fun it's, is that? that's not me. I'm not somebody's gonna, somebody's, <laughs> somebody's fine. Is it yours? Oh, it's mine. You have you busted. Have, Sorry, a fifty buck fine. Fifty dollars. I don't know why it went off because uh, I have it. Yeah, no, they're, they're just, sorry about that, guys. They're just passing the buck. One of my fans. They're just passing the buck. I mean, that guy so, clearly had so been her, in a hospital yeah. and he had so been here's treated my thing. and released. If you're gonna do if you're gonna do uh, a service and you're 
and all this money is going into homeless, and you have a PERD team, psychological, um, psychiatric emergency response team, that person should have been taken for medical treatment and helped. He's going through a psychotic episode. He thinks his girlfriend is in front of him. He's walking down streets yelling as loud as well, he can. Then you he have, has hospital well, socks on. You have to on. change the law because the law only allows a, th- a three-day hold. Well, they didn't even do a three-day hold. I know that. No, that's a fifty-one fifty call where they're going to go. CMH is going to evaluate them. At the end of that, at the end of that seventy-two hours, ask them two questions: Do you feel like harming yourself? No. Do you feel like harming others? No. Bye-bye. They don't treat anyone. They just let well, them. Know that, do, that guy needs to be at least a six-month de- uh, eva uh, like uh, detox. Minimum. Why you know? Check out why he's where he's at. Get him off the drugs. Get him on the right drugs. Provide him service. Figure out what his ailments are. And if you have to house him, house him. We'll pay for that. That's what my solution is. So what's, Some people, what's the most egregious thing you've seen with regard to homelessness? Oh, I could tell you I right mean, now. I just, I, just, I just saw it. What did you see? I saw a guy at a crosswalk trying to fight everyone who, who stopped. Oh, yeah. And he's saying, come on, let's fight. He jumped on a hood of a car. The lady was back there. The kids are, like, screaming, trying to get backwards. And he wants to fight her. Then he just jumped off randomly, like his attention turned, and he was and he was blocking traffic, trying to pick a fight. Yeah, I so um, I saw. What do you do with that guy? A woman on an overpass on Interstate Five, just defecating in broad daylight. This is a homeless woman defecating on a sidewalk in broad daylight. And what does it and, take for people that, to see that guy? That just pisses me I, off. I mean, a human know. being that's someone's mom. That's somebody who needs help. That's someone who lost all the will of humility. It's How much more desperate than you get the shit on the sidewalk in the middle of the day? I drove up. I drove up. And no, they're not doing anything. Like we're, Linda Vista Road, there's a guy in a 7-Eleven parking lot with an open campfire cooking <laughs> on Linda Vista Road. So, I mean, he's a, he, he built a fire. And was cooking his dinner in the parking lot of the 7-Eleven on Linda Vista Road. So about about six or seven years ago, I wrote a a commentary article, and it was titled Homelessness Spilling into Residential Neighborhoods. And I talked about the fact that people in San Diego were not addressing homelessness because it was confined to the beaches and little areas in downtown. But now that it's moving into neighborhoods that are more affluent, now you're seeing people saying, hey, we got to do something. Well, they're a day late and a dollar short. They should have responded right. five or six when years ago. When we're screaming about it, we, like going, we, also hey, yelled, we also screamed about the fentanyl crisis that's coming, and it takes a bunch of kids to die before I they realize. Tell you how much hey, can I we get some that. Narcans in the schools? I mean, the whole thing is like a joke. It's just hard to figure out because. You guys, you guys remember when there was that, uh, that sticker campaign down at Ocean Beach that, where the people had stickers on their cars that said, Don't feed our hobos? Right, right. Don't yeah. feed the homeless. Don't feed the. Yeah, don't feed the. You know, don't feed the homeless. I mean, right. there was some... I don't know who generated that campaign. Right. It seemed to be specific to Ocean Beach. Some people thought that, that was just... Cruel. ...the most common sense thing ever. Others thought it was, like, cruel. Right. How can you do that? But, you know, you think about well, uh, every national park in our country. I got to right. tell you, I, I'm guilty Hold of giving on. homeless people money. Let them finish. Don't, don't, don't feed the bears. I know. You go to I've Yellowstone, are you supposed to feed the bears? No. Why do you, why do you not feed the bears? You get more bears. You feed the bears, you get more bears. I mean, yeah, whoever first, did that on Ocean Beach was onto something. If we keep feeding these people and giving them programs and support and all that stuff, if you don't give them treatment 
which is what they really need, you're not going to get it. Right. You can't, you can't solve it by, well, you have to, you know, you have to feed people. But yeah, the bottom line is yeah, but feed them, they have a hunger. Feed them in conjunction with treatment. With treatment, right. right. I mean, that's how you do it. You, you can't just, take a homeless, because we talk about home affordability, right, Mark? We always talk about home affordability. We try to get people in, in a house that they can't afford. It's it's not it's not about the, the they're not they're not homeless. The reason why they're on the street is because the three homes that they were in they got kicked out of. So you're at your parents' house or whoever you're living with, and you're selling drugs or you're doing drugs, and you're stealing from your parents or you're stealing from your roommates or you're doing drug activities, and you finally they go, hey, you can't live here anymore, dude. You, and they go, okay, that's fine. I'm my, be, other than the shelter, the drugs are more into my love affair than me sleeping in a nice place. So they go to their friend's house. They do a little couch surfing. Then the friend right away goes, oh, I didn't know it was this bad. Like, you got to go. And then they're in someone's garage. Yep. And then someone's garage goes, hey, man, you just ruined my garage. You're cooking. You know, you're doing weird stuff that not a normal person would do. I can't do anymore. Then they're on the streets. So why would you take a heroin addict who's on the streets or crystal meth addict and put him in uh, government funding houses? You're just hiding them. But he's going to ruin that place. He's eventually going to want his drugs. He's going to do his drugs. He's going to cause problems. And he's not going to make that program. It's not going to work. So it's not going to work. So you have to have the method in place to get them off drugs. It's a total detox. So I talked to this guy out of Dallas, who's a friend of mine. And they had this multi-story apartment complex that they put all these people in, uh, homeless to drug-addicted people. And what ended up happening is they started selling drugs within this complex. Right. Then the gang members went in. They took over. Started controlling And they it. said, we're the only ones who will be selling drugs right. in this complex. So then people were all in fear because this now is essentially just run by gang members who are, right. like, controlling the drug sales and distribution and nobody could buy None, none of these other guys were able to sell their drugs, so they become dependent on these guys. They're giving these guys all their stolen goods and whatever, and they're right. fencing all this stuff. So they turned a public apartment for homeless became a haven for gang members controlling the drug trade within this little area. And the police just go, nobody saw it coming. Yeah, really. Well, the other thing is if you nobody put it, a, it the solution is not putting them in jail because what do they get in jail? They get all the drugs they want. The jail is full of drugs. They're selling. They're dealing drugs in jail, well, in our jail, no, I don't, and in prison. I don't think our jail is hundred percent. What do you mean you don't think? I don't, People I don't Mark, think is that. I don't think. Let it's me that. tell you something. They give the inmates Narcan. Well, oh, that's right. Okay, why would you give an inmate access to Narcan? Because another just, inmate is going to take an overdose on fentanyl, yeah, and they revive. They're them. sneaking drugs in. Yeah, how are they getting in? How much, uh, you, know, you can only put so many drugs up there's your only, ass. There's only there has to be another way, that it has to be a bigger way where they're, getting, they're providing drugs. So that hole needs to be shut. But uh, well, all I'm saying is that when you take a drug addict and say, throw him in jail for three months, he's still doing drugs. The jail is not the answer. There has to be another area where there's no drugs. Well, we know what that is. It's a mental health services. Right, we need and, to reopen and those and get that. I mean, I know Reagan called it and blew in, but there could be a, a way where it's not, uh, pre-Reagan where you could just throw your grandma in there and take her house and say she's nuts. So there has to be something in between where you go, there's certain individuals that no one can take care of. They have no support. They're shitting on the sidewalk, naked, in public. At that point, you got a human that needs to be, and but they don't want to call it incarcerated. Call it whatever you want, but need to 
to be put here, and you're not leaving. Some of the people are so far gone. Right, there's those they zombies. They will never, ever get past their psychosis and whatever they're going Right, through. they need to be housed forever. Forever, yeah. Not it's, in a jail. Make it nice, but give them the food. It'll save us money. The investment will be better. There won't be people breaking into $10,000 commercial doors. They won't be sleeping. They won't be pooping on the sidewalk. They won't cause hep A. The, the, you know, the drugs... The violence, you know, Makes. 82%, I think it's 82 to 85% of all violent crimes in America is homeless against homeless. we got a guy that goes into another tent, hits a guy with a hammer, takes his shit. You're not going to find this guy. This guy ends up in a trauma center. That costs us 30, 40, 50 grand. And, and just, so 80% of these violent crimes are homeless against homeless. Who cannot, and, and, call, who cannot call this a crisis? So now that you have a crisis, what do you do with that word? You just keep calling it a crisis so you can kick it down the road. Oh, it's a crisis. We're trying to deal with it. But uh, we've, crazy. Been, we've been like pulling uh, my hair out of my we've head. We've been talking about this for such a long time. For years. It just seems like but you got to you got to get them off the streets when they're li- when they're living in parking lots and living in the shrubs. Right. And living under the overpasses, then you've you've got the catalyst for crime. Right. You know, there was a homeless woman that was killed in Kearney Mesa, uh, probably about three or four months ago, and she was shot with a pellet gun, you know, because right. some kids went out with pellet guns to shoot the homeless. So, well, this right. woman died. Really? I don't condone yeah, yeah, yeah. their behavior. There's a little makeshift memorial over they here. They killed her with a pellet gun? Yeah. yeah. They shot her with a pellet gun, and they, they didn't realize They probably she, thought the projectile wasn't going to kill them. They they, shot I a don't lady. think they intended to kill her. You know, what they did was pretty egregious. They were caught, and they're going to pay for what they did. But the right. fact that we're allowing homeless people to sleep in parking lots all around our city... You know, and these guys, misguided as they were, went to, out to shoot homeless people. With think a about, and they ended up killing one. Think about the mind of a person that would do that. You know why they do it? Because the, the, the humans are so dehumanized. It's like shooting a rabbit for them. Yeah. No one gives a shit about these people. Let's go shoot them tonight. It's like shooting an animal and laugh, and they kill someone. Yeah, why would, like, why was well, a at what point do you have woman, to? Yeah. A 68 year old woman living yeah. in a parking lot. It's disgusting. I mean, she'd been there for months, and they knew her, and everybody yeah, kind. tolerated it, and they liked her. Apparently, she was a really nice, nice right. older lady, but she was mentally ill. Right. And and then that's you know that, but it's 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 the foundation for f- further bad things. That's just straight up cruel. That's well, the, that you can't get any more cruel. That's yeah. disgusting. I mean, yeah. if you want to, yeah, I don't know what the case is, but. Imagine that's your kid, or, or yeah, shooting anyone, a, a human being, a drive-by shooting is what it is. Well, on the most innocent, easy prey, <clears throat> it'd be like fishing in a, you know, whatever. There was a movie bucket. called Naked Prey, where they, these guys, they hunted everything in the world, and then they decided the only thing left is a human, and they left, they let the guy out in Africa. I remember that they and, let him give him a ten, ten minutes start or something. Ten minutes start, and then they go yeah. go. <laughs> and then these guys started hunting him, and he's just like trying to get away. He's like, "Holy shit, man! That? Someone's gonna try and I, shoot me." I feel bad when yeah. I see homeless folks, but when I see the real elderly, yeah, you know, and they—it's just like it just amazes me that that these people. There was one a woman that lived in the the Rite Aid parking lot over off Governor. I mean, oh, I remember her. You yeah. remember her? Yeah. I mean, she she kind of disappeared. She had to be in her 80s. In her 80s. She would always have the shopping cart move really slow. Yeah. White, hunched over. White, dirty. She, she brought a chair She's, with her, a plastic chair. Yeah. Where's the assistance for her? Where's the help for her? I don't know. You know, where did she go at night? She's probably, uh, you know, living over by the... No, I called, on, the, like I called on her because she was, uh, she was in a wheelchair. I yep. saw her one night. Yep. And I was going to the gym. 
I go to this 24-hour gym because the only time I could work out is late at night. So it's like 10.30 at night, and this lady goes just a little bit in the crosswalk. She's all dark, and she just sits there. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like, this girl's going to get nailed. You know, so I didn't know it was that. I call 911. I'm like, hey, there's a, there's a lady here who's just in the crosswalk. It's super dark. Whoever's going to make that right turn, she's eventually going to get hit. And she, she just won't move. And on the way back from the gym, the cops were there, and they were just leaving. And they just put her back on the sidewalk. Exactly. Yeah, that's, and I'm that's like, <laughs> our response to oh my God. an elderly person in a mental health crisis right. is to put her back on the sidewalk. Right. You know, how many times can the cops show up and put her back on the sidewalk? Right. You know, she obviously needed, you know, medical help. Right. You know, She's screaming at, t- and it was a cold night too. And I was, oh, I was looking at it going like, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. It's like, see these what do you do? Living on the streets. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, what do we do? How do we solve this, Mike? We're not going to solve it. What we're going to do is we're going to table this for some other discussion. Okay. I'm, re- I'm really more interested in the military because we're, we're. Can we put this, the homeless on a ship? No, we're having a kind of a proxy war right now. <laughs> we're, and I want to know Mike's take on this. We're having a proxy war with... Oh, yeah. We go to World War Three or what? Well, Like, where's this Ukrainian thing going to go? Hold on a second here. So, You're taking too long to explain this, man. you got to speed it up, Mark. Okay, Mike. I'll speed it up. Just say it. Do you think that this war with Ukraine against Russia is the same as um, the beginning of Vietnam? No, it's just another proxy war. I mean, Vietnam is a proxy war that went bad. Uh, there have been a lot of others um, since then. You don't think this is going to go bad? I, I don't know. I I don't. <laughs> I stopped watching the news, man. I'm telling you, I just you know I got I've got neighbors. You know some of them that they're glued to the news night and day. You know they're just watching the politics and the rhetoric. Right, right, right. right. And, I don't and do the that conspiracy anymore. theory, right. and I just I'm eh, giving up on that. So, so what's happening in the Ukraine is, is you know, uh, tragic, but it's no different from many of the last 10 proxy wars where we're funneling resources into one side and the other side is trying to counterbalance us. I mean, it's, it's sad. You know, I've been, to, I've been to Ukraine. Really? Oh, yeah. Is it nice? Yeah, it's an amazing city. It's, a, it's a Sevastopol, Ukraine, smack in the middle of the Black Sea. You know why they call it the Black Sea? Mm-mm. It's freaking black. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, you look off the ship and it's like, man, that's black. I don't know why that water is that way, but it's a, it's a very strategic <laughs> peninsula sticking out in the middle of the Black Sea, you know, the whole Crimean right. region right there. Um, and, and the other interesting thing, I didn't know about it until I went to Sevastopol, is that that place has been the center of some of our biggest wars for hundreds of years. You know, the Charge of the Light Brigade? Mm-hmm. You ever heard the, that famous poem about the light brigade that went roaring up this valley and got decimated? No. Outskirts of Sevastopol. So yeah, some, some English guy. Maybe it's ground zero for the devil or something. Did no, no. It's just been, it's been a disputed area for hundreds <laughs> yeah. and hundreds of years. I mean, there have been some of the bloodiest wars ever fought, and, and the Russians turned that into a headquarters for submarines. You know, you ever see those movies of the submarine sneaking in and out of the, the tunnel in the cliff? Yeah, yeah, yeah there was Austin, Austin Powers. Yeah, they dug tunnels. <laughs> wow. They dug tunnels in the cliffs so they could drive their submarines in and out at night without being seen back during the height of the Cold War. 
So, I mean, the Cold War was centered there. I mean, the Crimean War was centered there. It's That place has been a hot spot forever just due to its geography and the value. Okay, so let's say we're taking a bet. You have to put your name like, you know, like, what's the score going to be at the end of the uh, game? And you, and you fill out the charts. Yeah. So where would your bet be a year from now? Let's call it two years. You could probably do this bullshit for another year, but something's going to happen. Some it's boiling. You know, it's going to be someone's going to make a move. What do you think the move's going to be two years from now? I think the Ukrainians will ultimately, you know, prevail. Uh, social media, you know, the internet, this information age. You can't do clandestine, sneaky shit like you used to. Right. Right. You know, thirty years ago, you could probably get away with you know something like that. You know, whatever transpired in Vietnam was not subject to you know internet scrutiny. Right. But the Ukrainians don't. They don't ever call them Russian. They don't. They're not right. Russian. Right. They have their own identity. They right. have their own history. Right. And they will probably <clears throat> prevail. I don't think Russia can just go in there and whitewash everything and call it a day. I mean, the, the international response is gonna. It's gonna eventually outweigh them. I don't know what their end. Their their short term goal is. For their interference, what there, a, but they're gonna they can they, well, what they, about can't, the, they what, can't take it over. Okay, so I'll be the devil's advocate. What about uh, the uh, the opposition? There's other countries that are forming a bond. You got the China, Ukraine, uh, Tehran. Uh, who else is going there? Uh, that are kind of like, hey, let's stick together on this one. So um, America has been to war several times. However, they've never been in a war recently where they had a good opposition. I don't think Iraq was that much of an opposition. I don't think Afghanistan, because these guys are running around in rocks. I know you can pluck them off one at a time. It goes nowhere, but they're not a superpower. What happens when our country goes to war with an actual reputable challenge, like two good football teams, where you don't know who has what? They're going to snap the ball if it's going to be an... uh, an, uh, If the outcome is going to be disadvantageous, they're not going to snap the ball. Right. I love the war with Iraq because there was so much posturing for months. Right. You know, we both sat on a line right, of scrimmage right, right. for months, yeah. you know, during the Gulf War. Yeah. And when they snapped the ball, yeah. we ran in there and kicked the shit out of them in two right. days. Right. Okay, just decimated them in two days because we sat on the line of scrimmage and got our shit together. And that, that was over. I mean, they had to stop that war because it was a... It was a too much. Yeah, a little too, too much. much of an uneven playing field. Uh, yeah, the road of death, all that stuff. Right. It's like, okay, now we've had our way with them. We probably should back it off a little bit right okay um that's why everything is kind of done by proxy right now you know we're this is a thanksgiving meal with a lot of relatives show up right Right. the drumsticks are already taken right the breasts are taken there might be some stuffing on the plate right they're going after the vestiges of the thanksgiving meal you know through proxy wars and but you know vietnam returned back to vietnam right Right. Capitalistic, somewhat ironic, right? What I what I find <laughs> Ukraine, ironic, Ukraine right. is going to settle out as Ukraine, right? Eventually, I mean, you don't know the specifics. Yeah, those Ukra- these Ukrainians, and I know a lot of them are. First of all, I know some men, and I see them because I go to this international real estate event. It's one guy, Ukrainian, uh, Igor. He, I, I became friends with these guys. I go, how's it going over there? He goes, let me show you what I did last week, and he pulls out his phone. And he has a, a missile launcher. He runs out into a field, tags and hits a Russian tank. Looked like it was by a, uh, maybe a kilometer away. But then the camera turns and he goes, here's my apartment. This is why I'm doing this. And his apartment building that's eight stories high 
half of it's gone. And his family and the friends are living on the other half. They still live there. So this guy's fighting from his actual backyard. And he goes, what, what are our choices? So he goes, I don't know if I'll see you again. Because every time he leaves, every time we have this show, and we, we, we go in individual places, I look at the team to see if, how many Ukrainians are left on that. And some of them disappear, but I'm embarrassed to ask. Is your friend, you know? Yeah, they're, they're patriots. They're gnarly. They're, they're, they are they're, patriots. They are patriots, man. These guys... Ukrainians are badass fighters, man. They do not. But give we'll up. find out in two years. Yeah. What's going to happen? Yeah. And we'll pull so we tape. have that. We have the. We have that situation. We have to solve. Uh, we have the homeless crisis. We have to solve. We didn't even t- touch on the border, but that's just a whole different ball game. It just doesn't seem like you're spending billions of dollars to another country to secure their borders, hundreds of billions, while ours is like leaking like a faucet. We act like oh, our border's yeah. fine. So, what do we do? What do we do? We um, we button it up and we regroup in a in six months and bring Mike back and see what happens. Yeah, we should do it. We should do like every every three months because we're pretty active. On I want to solve the issue of the homeless because I'm I'm a hum, I'm I am a humanitarian. I don't I don't like to see humans like that. But I'm also like law enforcement and I want my house to be safe from some guy who wants to break in to take my shit. That ain't gonna happen either. I think we should do a part two. Yeah, part I know two, there's yeah. some there's some facilities out uh, in East County that have the potential to be uh, rehabilitation centers for the homeless. Yeah, they have been run as uh, you know third party you know uh, private enterprises in the past, but uh, there's large vacant facilities out in Campo that would have the ability to intake and provide care to the mentally ill. Is anyone looking at those? Well, I work with a guy that's that's tied into this yeah. this and he knows he actually knows what I'm telling you is just my opinion, right. uh, my reaction to what I've been exposed to. He's actually more on the restoration side of this problem and and trying to find a solution where they can get treatment and get rehabilitation in some of these vacant facilities that are that are, you know, owned by the the government. You know, they, our city they officials help. have we're, these. It's going to be up to the politicians and the law. So I don't think we're going to do it in this podcast. All but right. We are, but we're, people are going to hear about it. Yeah. Tell, tell you what, Mark, if you invite, invite me back again, I'll be smarter next time. Yeah. We do it six months. Or I'll point no, you, six I'll points point you at the guy with the answers. Well, you got to give him some time. Six months. Uh, two months. All right, three months. You got two months to figure it out, Mike. Okay. You're in charge of a battleship. You're in charge of the Navy. What was your call sign? Did anyone, because I heard you were pretty hardcore. The rumor is that you're a son of a bitch to work for. Right. I hate to I say am. it, but that's what the rumor is. Is that true? Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, 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 what did they used to call you? I think you had a nickname. I think it was like Lucifer or something. Uh, Satan's daddy. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Uh, one ship they got. But you got That was just, you know, when you're, on daddy. A, when, when, you're, when you're running a military ship, and yeah. you can't get it wrong. You just, right. you got to get it right. Every, every I mean, right. I, when I was the captain of one of those ships, I didn't close my eyes for two years. Shit. Because of the, the potential negative outcome and right. the lives I was responsible for. Now, if I was in charge of a desk somewhere, you right. know, I'm screwing off getting tacos, happy hour, that kind right. of stuff. But right. when you're doing that. When you're actually when at you're, the helm. Yeah, when yeah, you're driving one of those things and right. you spent your entire career to get put in a position where you're in charge of something right. like that, you don't dork it up. Right. You know why they, they you become the captain of a ship at 18 years? Why? Because it's a two-year assignment. The last, you know, 18 through 19 through 20, you don't have your retirement. If you sink that thing, you're going to take it out of your paycheck. 
Right. Yeah. Well, if you're in a mili- if you're like in the army and you lose your wow. rifle, they oh. take eighty bucks out of your paycheck, right? Wow. Well, if you if you and that's why <laughs> traditionally speaking, the captain goes down with a ship. That's why he goes. He goes. He's no like, way to oh, live. Screw it. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I can't done pay anyway. This back. Right. I can't pay this back. All right. Okay. So, hey, Mike. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Mike Taylor. Mike Taylor, a badass American is what he is. Yeah. It's gonna help us solve these problems. It's good to hear from a citizen. You know, we we always get the point of view of the homeless. Well, he's a veteran. Yeah. He's just not not vet- just a citizen. Right. Right. Well, vet- veteran, citizen. Okay. What the people are really thinking out right. there, as opposed to putting the smoke and mirrors, we're fine right. here. Let's hear what the real deal is and how it's affecting commercial buildings, how it's affecting, I mean, real stories. And maybe that'll spark someone to get to the bottom of this. I love San Diego. I yeah. love San I Diego. Any, I'm not leaving. Anything I can do to make this place better. Me I too. Born and raised. I love this place. I want to be part of it. I want to help the people. Yep. All right. All right. Take That's care. We're out. Thank Thanks you. for joining. Thank you.